listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. I'm going to jump in today. Uh, As you're coming on, take a minute to share the broadcast, and I appreciate it. We're going to talk about, um, you know, I've I've been looking a lot at this recently, and we've been having a lot of discussions, uh, even uh, within our own team. Um, You know, we, we... ask the question. We always want to ask the question, how do I continually get better? How do I continually improve uh, in area in every area of my life? Like I shouldn't be in the same place now that I was 10 years ago. Obviously I shouldn't be in the same place. Now I was a year ago. Uh, there should be constant increase in your life as a believer. And, uh, and so we ask the question uh, constantly, you know, how do I continue to improve? How do I get better? God expects increase from his children. God expects increase from his people, right? And um, one of the things that we uh, teach often is the principle found in Matthew 25. And that's the principle or the parable of the talents. You know that very well. Three servants that received talents from the master. And one of them got five one of them got two and one of them got one. And the Bible says that the master went away. And when he came back, he came back to check on their productivity. And when he came back to check on their productivity, the one who had five had turned it into 10. And the one who had two had turned it into four. But the one who had one, the Bible says, buried it in the ground And when his master returned, he just put it back in his master's hand. And I found that response of the master was extremely interesting to me because he said, you wicked and lazy servant that blew my, when I, when I first saw that, that blew my mind to hear the master say to this servant who just looked like he was protecting, uh, what his master had put in his hand, just protecting it. So it wouldn't be lost. And he even said, I know you're a hard master, you know, you, you reap where you didn't even sow. And he said, listen, if, uh, if you knew that about me, then you should have at least put my money in the bank so that I would have gotten some interest on my money. But he said, you're a wicked and a lazy servant. Then he said this, take his talent and give it to the one who has 10 for to he that has more will be given right? Because why? He's done well with what he has. He's stewarded it well. He said, take the one, give it to the one who has 10. And then he said, take this wicked servant and cast him into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so it's, it's mind blowing. But the principle here is that God expects his servants, his children to produce in the kingdom of God expects them to increase what they've been given, right? Expects them to increase their talents, their gifts, their abilities, what he's put in your hand to steward. And so today we want to discuss that. How do you do, what does it practically look like to increase, to rapidly increase in your life, to rapidly improve in your life? How do you practically take those steps 
to rapidly improve. And I think anybody watching would agree that you have a desire to improve in every area of your life. And I keep going back and referencing this all the time. So I probably at some point uh, should write a book along these lines because I reference this broadcast so often. But we once did a broadcast and podcast that was entitled Five Areas of Your Life uh, That You Must Master. We talked about that. Five areas of your life that you must master. And I made the statement that if you don't master them, they will master you. If you don't master those five areas of your life, they will master you. And the five areas that we covered were your spiritual life, your mental or uh, emotional life, the soul, soul realm, your physical life, right? Your, your health, your body, your fitness, uh, your relational life. How do you deal with your spouse? How do you deal with your children? How do you deal with coworkers? And then your financial life is number five. If you don't master your finances, they will master you. If you don't master your relationships, they will master you. And so we talk about this, that in every area of a Christian's life, there should be constant improvement. Because remember this, every area of your life uh, is a gift from God that you're to steward on a, on a daily basis. It's something God's given you. He's given you a living spirit. He's given you a soul, your mind, your will, your emotions. He's given you the gift of your physical body. He's given you relationships. He's given you finances. So because he's given it to you, you should steward those things on a daily basis, value them and steward them. And the question becomes, how do you use these biblical principles that God's given us to make sure every area of your life is pleasing to God? And remember, I said this a moment ago, what's pleasing to God is production, fruit production. I should be producing fruit in every area of my life. I should be producing fruit in every area of my life. In fact, that's something great I would put in the comments right at the beginning of this broadcast. I should produce fruit in every area of my life. In fact, pop it in the comments. I should produce fruit in every area of my life. And so uh, I'm going to give you five biblical principles today that we use, that I know you'll use, to continually produce fruit, to continue to improve drastically in every area. And I don't care which one it is, which one of the five it is. They will increase. They will improve. You will see increase um, in these areas of your life. And so how do you do that from Scripture? How do you do that? What is it that God's given us in wisdom to see that take place? And so I want you to write these down. Number one, this is very important. You have to, first of all, well, let me just give you number one, then I'll explain it. Number one is this, do what's important first. That's number one. Do what's important first. So what do you, what do you mean by that? Well, what I mean by that is, uh, there are things that are extremely important in any believer's life that if you leave it or if you procrastinate that thing, push it off, I'm telling you many times it's not going to get done. And a lot of times, remember this too, that the things that are important, the things that should be getting done, a lot of times our fleshly nature, our carnal nature doesn't want to do those things. 
at all does not want to do those things. So think about it this way. What about, uh, for example, your Bible reading, your time of prayer, you know, those types of things working out physically for your, for your own health, your body's the temple of the Holy spirit. Well, think about just those three things. One's for your spirit, one's for your mind, and one is for your physical body, three-part being. Well, you, your fleshly nature pushes back against all these things, right? Morning, Lena. So you're, you don't, your fleshly nature pushes back against Bible reading. He's like, well, I'll do it later. I don't feel like sitting down right now reading the Bible. Your fleshly nature pushes back against prayer. Well, I'll pray when I get time, you know, I'll do it, I'll do it later. Your fleshly nature pushes back against working out for your physical body. I don't want, I don't feel like working out. All of these things, though they are important, your flesh is pushing back against them, pushing back against them, doesn't want to do them. And so you have to be able to locate and recognize what is important. What are the things, what principles do I consider to be extremely important in my life? And then when you locate them, do what's important first. Do what's important first. Um, one of the things that's interesting to me, I read a book that was about, um, you know, personal management, personal um, production. And one of the things that struck me is that the author, who was a Christian, actually said this. He said that, that uh, all studies have found that uh, willpower is a limited resource. Get this. Willpower is a limited resource. And so what willpower you may have in the morning when you wake up and then even before lunch, uh, it continually breaks down over the day. And then what happens is when you get to the night or the evening, your willpower has dropped very low and uh, you're, you let your guard down. That's why most people make the mistakes they make when they get tired. And that's why they tell you, anybody will tell you, don't make any important decisions when you're tired or under stress or when you're dealing with something. Always make your important decisions when you're fresh, when you're thinking clearly, and when your willpower is intact. Don't wait until you're tired and stressed out to make important decisions. That's why all important things need to be done first because as your willpower continues to drain throughout the day, then what ends up happening is uh, if you push those things off until later, then it's far less likely that you will accomplish those goals, those tasks later in the day when you are tired, when your willpower is gone. And I think uh, David, the Psalmist David understood this principle. And uh, I'm going to read to you from Psalm 63. So if you're taking notes, this first principle, we see it uh, exemplified in Psalm 63. And it's Psalm 63 in verse 1. Listen to what David wrote uh, when he was in the wilderness of Judah. He said, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Notice that. I find it interesting that that word earnestly, if you read it rendered in uh, multiple translations, 
That word earnestly uh, is also translated this way, early. Early. That's interesting to me. I'll seek you early in the morning. Earnestly, I'll seek you. My soul thirsts for you. And so uh, he's made up his mind. I'm going to make it the first thing that I do. Not the last thing, the first thing that I do. And so you, you say, well, you know what? I'm going to, and here's the thing. As we, as we look at these uh, principles, first of all, you've got to identify those things. So I'll tell you what I think would be extremely important for every Christian to do. And that is, uh, I, first of all, identify those things, right? Write them down. They should, you should know what they are. I'm going to read. So, you know, we've dealt with this at length. When you make goals for yourself, they should be very specific goals, measurable goals. We use the smart goals, specific, they're measurable, right? They're attainable. They're uh, realistic. And then they're all are relevant to your purpose and then time sensitive. So um, when we look at those, I'm not just going to say, Hey, I'm going to read the Bible tomorrow. That's, that's not a goal. How much of the Bible are you going to read? Because, you know, if you just say, I'm going to read the Bible tomorrow. Well, if you read one verse, you've really accomplished that purpose. You read the Bible today, but that's not what we mean when we say, I'm going to read the Bible. So what do you mean? Make it specific tomorrow morning, every morning, I'm going to read nine chapters of the Bible. What, what nine chapters? Well, I'm going to read nine chapters of the new Testament, which nine chapters. See, we're making it as specific as possible. And let me give you something that'll help you immensely. The more specific you make your goal, the more likely you are to accomplish it. So, uh, if you were to say, uh, I'm going to read the Bible tomorrow. Well, that's not specific enough. I'm going to read the new Testament tomorrow. Not specific enough. How much? I'm going to read nine chapters of the, of the new Testament tomorrow. Okay. It's better, but it's still not there. So, so what else can you say? Which nine chapters? Well, I'm going to read Matthew chapters one through nine tomorrow. That's a great goal. That's a great goal because you can say, first of all, that's specific and it's measurable. What do I mean by measurable? I can see how much of that goal I've completed. Well, I read through chapter five. I've got four more chapters to read. You're me it's measurable. How far through your goal are you? I'm, almost, I'm more than halfway through, right? It's attainable. It's attainable because I can say, you know what? That's doable. I can read nine chapters in a day. It'll take less time to do that than it would to watch one episode of a Netflix show. So now it's, it's not only specific, it's not only measurable, it's attainable. And of course it's relevant to your life. You're a Christian. You, sh you should be reading the Bible on a daily basis. So it's relevant and it's time sensitive. You gave it a deadline tomorrow, not three weeks from now, not, you know, a month from now, tomorrow. I'm going to read Matthew one through nine tomorrow. Uh, that's a perfect goal for, for your Bible reading. And you got to mark it up. That's important as a believer. That's important. I got to mark it down. I'm going to pray tomorrow. Well, that's not enough. I'm going to pray at such and such a time tomorrow for an hour, for half an hour, whatever it might be, set it, set it and put it on your schedule. Just like any other appointment, God will meet you there. You know, in any of these things, the things for your spirit, the things for your soul, the things for your body, the things for your relationships, the things for your finances, set those and know what those important things are. And then like David, make sure they're the first thing you do. You know, I know that as, as we covered this last couple of weeks, 
Uh, there are people now that don't believe in tithing. I believe in tithing and I continually tithe. It's funny how people, uh, you know, want to attack me on YouTube. It's like, you're just afraid you won't get tithe money anymore. I have never gotten tithe money in my entire life. I don't collect tithes. I'm not a pastor. But, so I have no agenda to teach what I teach. I'm a tither. I'm a giver. And so because I'm a tither, because I'm a giver, I made up my mind. I, God gets his money first. Not when everything's left over, not when I've done everything I wanted to do with my money and not when I've gone out and spent it all on myself and whatever's left over, I'll give to God. No, no, he gets it first. That's important to me. It's, it's a, that to me is a priority in my life. He gets his first, right? I'll spend my time with him first. And so anything that's important, this is number one today, anything that's important, you talk about you want to drastically uh, improve any area of your life, you want to see rapid growth in your life, take the things that are important and do them first. Do them first. They'll tell you this even in the world. I mean, this is a biblical principle, but they'll tell you this even in the world. You know, don't do all those jobs when you go to work that you could do at any time of the day. Don't get to work and first thing you do is open up your computer and go to your email, start answering emails. You can do all that after lunch. Do what's important, do what's hard first and get it done when you're, the, when you're fresh, when you have the most willpower, when you're focused, do what's important. And, and the reason I'm telling you this is because there's so many believers that they never get anywhere in life because they keep pushing off and pushing off and pushing off the thing that they feel to do until later, but then it never gets done. It never gets done. Can I tell you how many people that Carolyn and I have talked to and encouraged, and they'll say, you know, I really feel to do this. I really, I really feel to, uh, to, to, I really feel to, and it'll be something, you know, go into the ministry or go to Bible school or start this, or I like how you guys are broadcasting. I feel to broadcast. I'm going to do a podcast or whatever it might be. And to this day, people are still not doing what they felt to do. They're still not accomplishing what they said they felt in their spirit to accomplish. It was like, what's going on? Come back three years later, they're still not doing it. Why? They've not prioritized it. They've not put it first. They've not even broken it down, right? Let me, let me just say this. I agree, Lenan. She said, procrastination is so destructive, it's a tactic of the adversary. I agree. Well, you don't need to read that now. You don't need to start that now. You don't need to go, no. If God spoke to me to do it, I need to do it quickly, as quickly as possible. And I want to set myself. That's right, Johnny. He said his dad, who's a contractor, said that 8 to 12 was the most productive time of the workday. And I agree. And I think every productivity expert would agree that the early hours, the first hours, are the most important hours. That's when you're fresh. It's when you're focused. It's when you have willpower. You go at the most important stuff at that time. And uh, people are putting things off God's called them to do. It's five years, six years since God told them to do it. And it's still not done. And people are like, it's like, what are you waiting for? And so you have to prioritize and say, what is important? I, I realize that things might, there might be some things that are bigger. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start this business. I'm going to launch this ministry, whatever that might be. And I know you can't just do it all in one step. But you know what you should do? Break it down into bite-sized chunks and set yourself a, even if it has to be a to-do list and say, you know what? 
I'm going to get this ministry launched. I'm going to get this business started. I'm going to get, and whatever it might be. And then step by step, you know, I'm going to get my EIN number. I'm going to get my bank account set up. I'm going to get my branding done. I'm going to print my business cards. I'm going to set up a workspace. I'm going to uh, begin to get clients, set it up into uh, bite-sized chunks. And then one by one, accomplish those things, knock them off the t task list until the thing God told you is up and running. And what you felt to do is taking place, right? It's happening. And so you're going after it. Do what's important first, not last. Don't leave it until you don't have any willpower and you're tired from working and it's the end of the day and you'd rather just sit with your family. And No, don't wait. Don't wait. And so number one is do what's important first. David said, early will I seek you. Early will I seek you. And so it's very important you do that. Number two uh, is, is equally important. Number two is this, guard your time fiercely. Please put that in the comments. Man, this is something almost no one does. Almost nobody does this. Guard your time fiercely fiercely guard your time fiercely almost nobody does this because they'll let their time be stolen from them stuff that doesn't even matter stuff that doesn't produce anything and they'll allow their time especially their most productive time it gets stolen from them it gets taken from them because they don't guard it fiercely but you've got to guard your time because if not, it's like, um, you know, Dave Ramsey, who's a financial manager and, and consultant said regarding your money, he said, if you don't tell your money where to go, you'll wonder where it went, right? If you don't tell your money where to go, you'll wonder where it went. I feel the exact same way about your time. If you don't tell your time where to go, you'll wonder where it went. If you don't tell your time where to go, you'll wonder where it went. You ever gotten to the end of a day? It's like, man, where'd that day go? Man, where'd the time go? And just like little things jumped into your day and you allowed them to come in and they stole your time. They stole your day away. And you had a lot of things you planned to get done. They didn't get done because little things stole your time. Remember something. You don't have to answer every phone call. You don't have to immediately respond to every text. Just because there are badges on your social media apps doesn't mean you have to go check your notifications. Just because you've got an email inbox doesn't mean you have to go through it every 30 minutes. There are things that truly will steal your time from you. And you have to fiercely guard the time God's given you. And so, yes, you, you can put those most important things up front and say, you know what? I'm going to do what's important first. But then if you don't couple it with number two and guard your time fiercely, you could be in the most productive time of your day and still not be completing what's important because you didn't guard that most important time of your day. And so in the midst of your most productive hours, people are still calling you. People are still stopping by your desk. People are still wasting your time and then things aren't getting done. So you've got to guard your time fiercely, guard your time fiercely. Let me read to you Nehemiah chapter six, 
and we're going to go to, um, let's read verses one through three, Nehemiah chapter six, verses one through three. Listen to this. Now, when Sambalat and Tobiah and Geshem, the Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left in it. Although up to that time, I had not set up the doors in the gates. Sanballat and Geshem sent to me saying, come and let us meet together at, ha at Hakafirim in the plain of Ono. But they intended to do me harm. Now look at the response in verse number three. And I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work and cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you. So first of all, he understood that they meant to do him harm, but notice this, here's a principle. That's Nehemiah, Emily. It's the book of Nehemiah chapter six, verses one through three. And by the way, for those that are uh, watching and listening, uh, if you want to put these references in the comments too, for those that are watching later, or even those that are watching now, so we can follow along, that would be helpful for those that watch the replay. So Nehemiah, uh, chapter six, verses one through three, he's doing an important work. And notice, even though he understands that they're, they're meaning to do him harm, he gives a response that every one of us could use. I'm doing a great work. I cannot pause right now to come and do and meet with you and do something else. Uh, <laughs> how funny would it be? You know, if you've got an iPhone and I'm sure any Android phone does the same, uh, if someone's, uh, in the midst of calling you or whatever, and you're working, they, they let you push one button that instantly messages them um, something like, can I call you later or can't talk right now or whatever. How funny would it be to make a custom one that was just Nehemiah 6.3? <laughs> you could make one that just was like, uh, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it to come talk to you? <laughs> That would be funny. I'm thinking about doing that myself, making Nehemiah 6.3 my auto response when I'm working and people call me and I can just hit one button and it sends Nehemiah 6.3. That would be hilarious. I'm, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Um, <laughs> I'm doing that. So the key here is I'm fiercely guarding my time and there are, you know, it's okay. You know, and I had to tell myself this. I'm not like, it's not like I'm, I'm just like, you know, have done it perfectly. I, I've had to tell myself this. It's all right to put your phone on do not disturb. It's all right to turn off your notifications. It's all right to close out your inboxes and shut off your social media. It's all right uh, to lock yourself in and get your work done and do the most productive things you need to do first. It's all right. Listen, if people can't get a hold of you for a few hours, that's fine. That's fine. If, if they can't, if they can't talk to you, if they have to leave you a voicemail, if they have to blow up your text messages until you turn your notifications back on, that's okay. That's okay. So you, you just have to make up your mind getting these things done that the Lord's called me to do is far more important than answering an email or checking social media or answering every text message or even taking a call. Can I tell you something awesome that I read that I found out? Um, the, the man who started, uh, Chick-fil-A, 
um, I believe his name was S. Truett Cathy. Um, he took a day every month. The first, I believe it was the first Monday of every month is what I read. And he told his secretary, I will take no calls today. Don't let anyone come through. Don't send any calls through to my office. Don't let anybody meet with me. I'm not taking any meetings. He said, I'm taking the entire eight hour day today to plan the next 40 days of our corporation. Think about that. I'm taking eight full hours today to plan the next 40 days of our corporation. And someone asked him one time, why did you uh, do 40 days instead of 30 days? Why didn't you just plan the month? He said, it gave me a, a 10 day buffer when we got into the next month to plan again the next 40 days so that I wasn't like right up against the wall having to come up with new plans. And so he would take a full day, a full work day to just plan the next 40 days of their, well, what's he doing? He's fiercely guarding that time to do what's important first for them, which is planning the steps the corporation would take next. That can be done in every area of your life. In fact, it's something that, that I've implemented that others on our team have implemented to where we have a specific time where we are, we call it a weekly review, where we come, we're coming through the end of our weekend and we know we've got another work week coming up and we have it scheduled on our Google calendar that literally the, the notification will go off and say it's time for the weekly review. What is going to be completed? What's going to be done in the upcoming week? So we don't wait till Monday morning at 9.05 to say, I wonder what I got to do this. No, we're doing that before the weekend comes to an end and the weekend review will go off on our task list and we sit there and look through our tasks. We look through our Google calendar, what's scheduled, what, is our, what due dates do we have, what tasks do we have to complete, what are we going to be doing in this upcoming week that's going to make us the most productive in the kingdom of God, that's going to get things out the door, that we're going to produce for the Lord what he's called us to complete for him. And so what are we doing? We're doing what's important first and we're fiercely guarding our time, fiercely guarding our time, see? And so... Uh, that's what we have to do. It has to be in place, has to be in place. Number three, the third thing that will help you immensely is to sow knowledge into yourself. Sow knowledge into yourself. Put it in the comments. Number three, sow knowledge, just like you'd sow seed. It's a seed into your own life. When you sow knowledge into yourself, and that is so vital. So vital. I'm going to 2 Timothy chapter 4. You can join me there as you write that in the comments. So knowledge into yourself. And people, I don't think people recognize how important this is, but it is vital, vital. I was, I was reading a, um, uh, a statistics list of things that wealthy people do that unsuccessful people do not do. And one of those things that jumped off the page, um, that jumped off the page uh, at me, and if, in fact, let me just get you the exact statistics. I think I probably have it in my, yep, I have it in my notes. Listen to this. Um, and, and actually, Dave Ramsey had posted this on his website, took a lot of flack for it for some reason. 
uh, which I can't understand why. But um, listen to this statistic right here. 88% of wealthy people read for 30 minutes or more each day for education or career reasons versus 2% of poor people do that, unsuccessful people. So 88% of wealthy people continue teaching themselves after school by reading books that will further their uh, career, their purpose, their vision, their goals. Only 2% of unsuccessful people do that. Continuing to sow knowledge into yourself. It's a constant journey of learning and developing. We never stop. And I took, I took you to, um, I took you here to um, 2 Timothy 4 so that you could see that this is something that uh, Paul the Apostle did as well. 2 Timothy 4.13. Now, if you understand the timeline of his letters, this was the last letter he ever wrote. He wrote it from his imprisonment in Rome, the final letter of his ministry. And he says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, listen to verse 13. He says this, uh, when you come, bring the cloak that I le left with Carpus at Troas, also the books, and above all, the parchments or my notes. So notice this. He's at the end of his life. He's at the end of his ministry and he's still teaching, but look what he's doing. Bring my books, bring my parchments, bring my notes, bring that stuff to me when you come. He's at the end. He said, I, I've run my race, Timothy. I've finished my course. I mean, literally he just finished saying that. He just finished saying that I've run my race. I've finished my course. So notice he knows it's the end for him, but he's still not going to stop developing. Bring me my books, bring me my notes and something every day. You know, what's, here's a question for you. Put it in the comments. What's on my reading list? What's on my reading list? What books am I reading right now? No, no matter what you're doing. In fact, in the comments, I would love to know, aside from the Bible, what book are you reading right now? Put it in the comments. All of you that are watching me, even do it on the replay even do it on the replay, but put it in the comments. What book are you reading right now? What is it that you're doing to further your knowledge of what you're called to do? What's on your reading list? I'd love to see some of the books that you guys are currently going through. And, um, I, because I probably will end up seeing something I've not read yet. And I need to put it on my, my reading list because I've got, I've got a long reading list in my, in my notes, uh, app on my phone. Uh, I like that. The Bible from A to Z. I have that book. Supernatural Increase by Jerry Savelle. Put them in. Because notice, there's always got to be a drive within us to uh, develop, grow, increase. And it comes through the impartation of knowledge. The End by Dr. Mark Hitchcock. Phenomenal book. Phenomenal book. Unhang Your Harp and the Anointing by Kenneth Hagin. Ashley, that's awesome. Art of Prayer, Good Morning Holy Spirit, Further Faster, thank you. Jesse Duplantis, I Never Learned to Doubt. I love that. The Assignment Books by Dr. Mike Murdoch, wonderful. I have those as well. That's great. Camels Are Coming, my father's book. How to Dominate in a Wicked Nation, Finish the Anointing, Divine Direction, Joseph White. I love it. Blood on the Door, that's great, thank you. 
Oh, that's excellent. Final quest by Rick Joyner. Self-centeredness, the root of grief by Andrew Womack. See, I'm so happy to see this. Following God's plan for your life. It's so good to see that the Victory Tribe, you're studying, you're furthering your knowledge, you're sowing wisdom and knowledge into yourself. Into yourself. And um, you have to constantly ask yourself, what am I reading? What am I studying? What, what am I sowing into my spirit? Now, we should be reading the Bible every day. That, that's not something we just do every now and then. Read the Bible every day. But then on top of that, what am, I, what am I taking in? What am I taking in? You know, one of the dumbest things I've ever heard somebody say, dumbest things, is this. We need to read less books about the Bible and read more of the Bible. What a stupid thing to say. Like anybody that's ever said that should be slapped. I really believe that. Anybody who said that needs to be slapped. We need to read less books about the Bible and read more of the Bible. That's a dumb thing to say. Because remember something, God gave us gifts in the apostle, the, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. So if your line of thinking is, we need to read less books about the Bible and read more of the Bible, then you could say the exact same thing. We need to hear less preaching and teaching about the Bible and just read more of the Bible. That's not how the kingdom of God works. God set gifts in the body for the perfecting of the saints. The books about the Bible are just preaching and teaching in written form. So if, if people believe that we should read less books about the Bible and read more of the Bible, then what you truly believe is we should listen to less teaching and preaching about the Bible and just read more of the Bible. No, no. We need the revelation that those men and women have been given. What do you think the purpose is of them serving God for 40 years, spending time in fasting and prayer, you know, hearing from the Lord, learning as they're on their, uh, in their life with Christ as ministers? We need what they have to say because God gave them to us as gifts in the body of Christ. I'm not just, let me tell you something. There are things that I won't necessarily get from scripture that others have already gotten. Why would I, why would I burn all of their knowledge and say, I don't need to know what you know. God can show me that for himself. Well, he could, he could show me that for him, for myself by the Holy ghost. But if he's already done that with other ministers, why would I say, well, what you've learned is unnecessary for me. I can get it from the Holy Ghost myself. What a waste of time. Instead of spending 20 years praying and fasting and studying to get what they've already got, why don't you just read what God gave them and let it instantly edify your spirit? That's the whole purpose. Why would we wait 20 years if someone's already been waiting on the Lord for 20 years and gotten things from the Holy Ghost? And just read what God gave them. And it'll be a massive blessing. So it's not that we need to read less books about the Bible. No, we need to read books about the Bible. And the Bible. They're not mutually exclusive. I agree with Ashley. She said Kenneth Hagin's books are irreplaceable. They're absolutely necessary. I totally agree. I totally agree. And, and, and so we, we do need to read what men of God have, have to say about the word because the Lord has shown them things. They've been giving their life to the word of God. And so I, I don't agree with that uh, standpoint that we need to read less books about the Bible and just read more of the Bible. No, we need what men and women of God have learned from the Holy Spirit. And so 
Number three is this, sow knowledge into yourself on a daily basis. Sow knowledge into yourself on a daily basis. Hey, Amy. And so we have to not only do what's important first, guard our time fiercely. We've got to sow knowledge into ourselves on a daily basis. This next point is going to go right along with what I just said. Go to Philemon 111. Philemon 111. And so as we're studying this, I want you to get it in your spirit. Number four, we need to find guides. Put that in the, in the comments. We need to find guides. So what do you, what do you mean by, by find guides? Well, as I said a moment ago, there are people who have been doing it far longer than we have. There are people that uh, literally they've been serving the Lord for decades. Maybe they've been in the ministry for decades. You know, I've only been in the ministry for two decades, but there are others that I know that have been in it for five decades. Well, you better believe that extra 30 years of being in the, in the ministry and being in the presence of God, they're going to learn and know things that I do not know at 40 years old and having only been in the ministry for 20 years. There's going to be things that they know that I do not know. I want to learn it from them. I want, you know, it's a blessing to have my natural father be my spiritual father as well. He'll, he, and he has for my whole life, showed me things, taught me things that I did not know. And then other men of God, thank God for them, that they've been giving uh, uh, wisdom, instructions, you know, uh, advice. We need those things. And so we find guides, uh, whether they be a spiritual father, whether they be a mentor, somebody that's just uh, beyond where you are, that's teaching you something you don't know. And I learned this when I was, truly when I was writing Further Faster. And if you've not read that book that I that I put out, it's in our store, shop.miracleword.com. It's on Amazon. You can get anywhere in the world. Uh, it's on Kindle. It's on Apple Books. But the thing that I learned really deeply when I was writing that book is the fact that God sets people in the body of Christ for the purpose of sowing impartation into others. And the Lord directed me to this passage in Philemon which was mind-blowing to me. I mean, it, this, this revelation struck me so hard when I was writing the book. And the Lord kept showing me. That's why it took so long to get the book out, uh, is that I, I kept on studying, but the Lord kept showing me new things as I was studying. It's the longest book I've ever written to, take, to get out the door, was Further Faster. I think it took me close to two years to get that book out the door uh, because the Lord kept showing me new things. And this is one of those things that like shook me to the core. And I was reading Philemon and it's only one chapter, but it's Paul's letter to Philemon regarding Onesimus. And uh, Paul says this, um, I'm going to start reading with verse eight. We'll read verses eight through 11. Philemon, there's only one chapter, verses eight through 11. Listen, Paul says, accordingly, Though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, am an old man, now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus. 
I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father, get this now, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. Glory to God. AJ said, I read that entire book before the second service in North Carolina at Boomerang two years ago, where you gave me a prophetic word that has carried me since. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. Notice, notice what he's saying. He's saying this, I became his spiritual father. Paul wasn't his natural father. He became his spiritual father. And notice what happened when he did that. He said, Onesimus used to be useless. But now that I've become his spiritual father, he's actually very useful. Hmm. That's, that's really interesting. It's, you wouldn't understand this if you didn't understand the Greek language. But you know what's really wild about this? Uh, before Paul became his spiritual father, um, it was ironic because Onesimus was acting directly in contradiction to his name. Because the, his name, Onesimus, means useful. But Paul said he was not useful. Very ironically, he was useless. <laughs> Here's a guy. It's, it's funny. How crazy would that be if you met a guy named useful and everything he did was useless? <laughs> and that's what he's saying. He said, Mr. Useful over here used to be useless. But then I became his spiritual father. And he became very useful, not only to me, but to you also, right? And so what took place, what changed him and what brought him from useless to useful? Having a spiritual father, having a guide, having a mentor. That's what changed him from useless to useful. Every one of us, Moses did that for Joshua. Elijah did that for Elisha. Jesus did that for the disciples. The apostles did that for the early church. Paul did it for Timothy. Paul did it for Titus. Paul did it for Onesimus. Notice this. It's God's system of increase in the kingdom is impartation that comes from those who have what we don't yet have. They have what we don't yet have. And notice here for Philemon, he was useless, but now he's very useful because I became his father in my imprisonment. Nothing wrong. And you know what keeps us back from receiving from people like that? Pride. I don't need them to tell me anything. I don't, I don't need them to tell me nothing. Pride keeps people back. Pride does. Pride goes, that's why the Bible says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. I don't want to fall. <laughs> I don't want destruction. I want to increase. I want to see provision. I want to see a drastic improvement in every area of my life. It's going to take humility, meekness. The Bible says that God resists the proud, but he gives more grace to the humble. Amen. There's my friend, Ben Jerome. Love you, buddy. It's good to see you. And so you got to find guides, find mentors, those that will help you see what you cannot see by yourself. And God sends those people to you. Number five, let me give you this before we pray. The fifth area of life that you are, that the, or the fifth principle for life that you have to employ to see uh, rapid growth or increase in every area of your life 
watch this now, is this, write it in the comments. Do something daily. That's it right there. Do something daily. I can't stress that one enough. Do something every single day. So what do you, what do you mean by that? Well, what, what do you think's better? Is to, is to do a heavy workout once a month? Or do you think it's better to walk for 15 minutes every day? I can guarantee you walking for 15, 20 minutes every day is better than an hour long strong workout once a month. Absolutely it is. Do something every day. Do something every day. You know, uh, and that, that, by the way, puts off the procrastination effect. Well, I'll do something. No. What's your goal? You gonna, are you launching out into the ministry? Are you starting a business? Are you, what do you want to see? You want to see increase in your marriage? You want to see increase in the relationships with your children? Do something every day. And so, you know, what I would do if I were you, because what we do have, in, what I'm putting in practice is this. Look at those five areas of your life, right? Where you know God expects you to produce. Your spiritual life, your soulless, your mental life, your physical life, your relational life, your financial life. Those are five areas where God expects you to produce. So then ask yourself this question. What is something I can do every single day that will improve those five areas of my life? What's something I can do every single day? day. Well, uh, let's, uh, let's talk about that. Let's, let's deal with the, uh, the spiritual aspect of your life. How do I improve my spiritual man every day? Well, I can think of three ways, four ways right off the top of my head. Number one, read your Bible every day. If you're not doing it now, do it. Read your Bible every day. Pray every day. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in your known language. Um, number three, listen to, listen to preaching or teaching every day. Listen, let it build your faith. Let it build you up. Do those things every single day. Do those things every, every single day. And watch what happens with your spirit man. Your spirit man. He'll continue to grow. Your faith will grow. But what about, what about my mind, the second area of life? What about my soul? How do I de deal with my emotions? How do I deal with my mind? How do I, well, you've got to renew your mind. So actually, some of these will overlap. As you read the word of God, it'll renew your mind. But then what about doing some things? Identify some areas that uh, bring stress to your mind. Is competition or comparison on social media bringing stress to your mind? Seeing what everybody else is doing and then feeling stressed out about it? Or, or reading the news, watching the news, reading it on your Twitter feed? Is the news or the headlines uh, causing you to be in fear or in anxiety or heaviness or depression? Are, are, there, are there things there that are causing you to, to walk in a lack of peace or a lack of joy? Cut them out of your life. You don't need them. I cut them out of my life a long time ago. I don't watch the news. I haven't for, oh, I mean, two decades I've not watched the news. I don't watch the news. It never goes on in my home, ever. Fox News, Breitbart, never. Unless somebody else comes to my house and turns it on and they watch it. I don't watch it. I don't watch it. There'll be people that'll ask me, did you hear about this? I'll say, actually, I haven't. I have no idea that that's even going on. I would rather be ignorant of some world events than I would to have that junk on in my house all day. I'd rather be ignorant of it. And you know what? As the, uh, the result of that, my mental state is never affected. 
It's not that I'm weak mentally. I'm actually very strong mentally, but that's because I make myself strong mentally. I take the steps that keep my joy intact and my peace intact. Amen. And so you can take steps. You can guard your, guard your thoughts. You can renew your mind. You can keep those things from, you put a buffer up. I refuse to let that stuff even come to me. I refuse to let that stuff even come to me. And let me give you another one here that'll combine another one of these, the relational area of your life. What am I doing? Well, if you've got relationships that these people, all they do is bring stress into your life. It's just constant drama. Love them from a distance, but cut them off. Doesn't mean you don't love them anymore, but I refuse to allow you to come in and harass my peace with your constant drama, your constant problems. You live in drama. You live in, I mean, you ever met people like that? They just live in drama. They're constant stress. I don't need it. I don't need it in my life. God bless you. I'll pray for you. I'll love you from afar, but I'm not hanging with you. I'm not hanging with you. I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. So you might need to do that for your, for your emotional, your, your mental area of life. You might need to cut some relationships off that don't belong and love them from a distance. But then on the relationship side, ask yourself another question. What about the ones I value? My, my spouse, my kids. What can I do for them on a daily basis? How can I show or tell my spouse that I love them? How can I tell them? Do I need to talk to them more? Do I need to tell them more? Do I need to compliment them more? Do I need to buy them gifts? Do I need to spend more time with them? What about my children? How do they know that I love them? What can I do daily? Am I spending enough time with them? Am I talking to them? Am I telling them that I love them? Am I kissing them? Am I hugging on them? Am I spending time with them? Am I buying them gifts? Whatever it has to be. But I make up my mind. That's how I'm going to handle the relational area of my life. What can I do daily that makes these things better? See, that's your spirit. That's your soul. That's your relationships. What about your body? Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Are you eating yourself to an early grave? Are you, eat, are you quickly eating yourself toward a heart attack, a stroke, or diabetes? How do you take care of the temple of the Holy Spirit? Are you, are you doing anything on a daily basis that's causing your temple to be built up so you can run long and strong? Are you, I mean, going all the way down to something as simple as walking. Are you walking? Something. What are you doing to improve daily to make sure I'm taking care of the temple of the Holy Spirit? Then again, financially. What are you doing financially on a daily basis? Are you operating by a budget? Do you have goals to set money aside? Are you putting away an emergency fund? Are you working to pay off your debts? What are you doing on a daily basis? Are you, are you saving toward, toward a fully funded emergency fund? Are you investing for the future? Are you tithing? Are you giving? Are you blessing the poor? What am I doing on a daily basis financially that is increasing and improving that area of my life? See, and so you've got to do what's important first. You got to guard your time fiercely. You have to sow knowledge into yourself. You got to find guides and you got to do something every single day. God expects us to increase drastically. The path of the just is a shining light that shines more and more brighter and brighter until the perfect day, which is the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And we're called to increase. In fact, I want you to put it in the comments before we pray. I am called to increase. I am called to increase. Put it in the comments, man. I am called to increase and you are, and you will in Jesus name. Father, I pray 
for every person that's watching me right now that might be listening on the podcast. And I ask you, Lord, in Jesus name, that you would give us divine wisdom. Your word says in James chapter one, that if anybody lacks wisdom, let them ask of God who gives to all men liberally and will not rebuke them for asking. So Lord, today we ask you, give us divine wisdom to understand and to do things that we've never done before, to step into greater uh, avenues of increase and and, and into productivity and uh, efficiency. Lord, use us in these final moments of time. And I pray in Jesus' name that today, Lord, you would convict us. If there's any area in these five realms of life that we're not doing what you've called us to do to increase and to produce fruit, bring conviction to our hearts for our spirit man, for our soul, for our body, for our relationships, for our finances. Bring conviction and Lord, lead us and guide us. We will increase, Lord. We will produce fruit with what you've given us. We will steward what you've given us properly. And we thank you that as we do, to him that has, more will be given. We expect to increase in every area of life. We will increase spiritually and we will increase emotionally, mentally, physically, relationally, financially. We will see never ending increase in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you for that. We give you praise for that in Jesus' mighty name. And if you believe it, somebody shout amen. Even if you're in a cubicle at work, shout it, scare the person next to you, throw some hands up, do a praise break through your office until security comes and takes you away. No, I'm kidding. Don't do that. But give God praise. Throw some hands up, uh, throw some fire up in the comments and let me know you're believing God with me for never ending increase. Not forgetting this is our year of divine possession. We'll have what we've never had. We'll do what we've never done in Jesus name. And I'm encouraging you today to partner with this ministry. Maybe you've never done that before, but today's a great day to start. Uh, Stand with Carolyn and me as we're reaping this end time harvest of souls. Whatever you can do each month to stand with us. I know everybody's at a different level, but do what you can where you are and say, you know what? I'm going to sow monthly. What can I do this month to stand with Ted and Carolyn as they do what God's called them to do? You know what's an interesting thing? is uh, I was thinking about this, is if most people could just give $3 a day, I mean, think about that. Could I stand with Ted and Carolyn at $3 a day? That's, that's, that's wild to think about that. that that's, you know, you're, you're what? That's about $90 a month, something like that. Could I, could I stand with them at $3 a day? That's less than a Starbucks latte every day. What, see, everybody's at a different level but I'm just showing you how you can get started immediately with your faith. You know, there's people that are giving $1,000 a month, $500 a month, but what if you asked yourself, could I stand with them at $3 a day? $3 a day, and watch what God will do. Watch how he'll increase you. And so go to miracleword.com, click the partner link on the menu, and check out all we're doing, and then fill out that form. Stand with us. Watch what God will do in your life as well. Let me say this. For those that are standing with us in the month of July, we have some things that we want to give you to be a blessing to you. And number one, we have Brother Hagin's book, How You Can Be Led by the Spirit of God. For those that are sowing $85 or more, for those that are sowing $250 or more, we're going to include E.W. Kenyon's book, The Blood Covenant. And for those that are sowing $1,000 or more, we're including the net 
study Bible, full notes edition with 60,000 translators notes. What's my favorite study tool right now. I use it all the time. It's really, really an amazing tool. Uh, and so we wanna, we wanna put that in your hand. Again, for those that are partnering with us, we have something awesome coming up for you guys. In October, we've got the Victory Tribe Homecoming Weekend, which I cannot wait to get there. Um, it's the Friday night and a Saturday, October the 28th and the 29th. And I'm so very excited about this. Allentown, Pennsylvania. Uh, and if you are a partner with this ministry, Jenna is already uh, contacting you. Maybe she already has contacted you to RSVP. We want to see you there. We have huge announcements that we're sharing with our partners in October. And I can't, I'm, I'm, having, I'm having a hard time holding it in because I want to tell you everything that God's doing in this ministry uh, because you're a part of it. And so I cannot wait for you to be there and, uh, and to hear what God's doing in the ministry. By the way, if you've not gotten a chance to sign up, the brand new magazine is available um, for the summer edition. We'd like to send it to you absolutely free. And all you got to do to get it is go to miracleword.com forward slash live and you can sign up and we'll send it to you. Uh, it's available right now. And if you're overseas, we'll send you a digital copy uh, immediately. And so I'm very excited about that. Cannot wait. I'm telling you, October is going to be great. The homecoming weekend. Can't wait for it. Very excited to see it. I love you guys. Um, I pray you have a wonderful weekend. We finished here in Tomball. It was amazing. Uh, the power of God, man. We had a Holy Ghost blowout. And um, I'm just, I'm so happy with all the things God's doing. It has been absolutely wonderful to watch God move, to see souls come in, people receiving miracles. It's just been, it's been awesome. So Sunday night, we start the tent meeting in Scranton, Pennsylvania, goes through uh, the whole week and then Uproar Conference starts this coming Thursday in Horseheads, New York at his tabernacle. If you've got youth, get there with the young people. It's absolutely free and you can find out more about it at theuproar.org, theuproar.org. We would love to see you there. I love you, have an awesome weekend, and I'll talk to you again very soon. Later, guys. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.